It is L.A. Lloyd, and believe it or not, it has been 14 years since the last time I sat down with Tom Morello. That was at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. I believe that was your first appearance. So uh, welcome back, man. It's great to see you. A lot of stuff going on in your life now. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to see you. You're looking good after 14 years. You know, before we talk about what's going on currently, I did want to reflect a little bit about uh, South by Southwest. Now, you were uh, you know, doing the Night Watchman uh, during that time, but also that night, Perry Farrell, Slash, uh, Nuno Betancourt, Les Claypool, Wayne Kramer from the MC5. I mean, it was so funny because you told us stories like, you know, you started running into people and say, hey, come on down. And then you were trying to find an amp for Slash or something. And some kid said, hey, man, you can use my amp, man. So what a great night, man. That's right. That's right. I mean, in, in some ways that the that experience and we had that experience in several different cities was the genesis of what the atlas underground records became you know it was this kind of uh uh like-minded musicians of different genres coming together to create something that's absolutely unique and i remember that night very very well and it was uh you know i was on my sort of acoustic tour at the at the time and i just you know i had some friends in town and said let's you know and i think we opened the show with everyone on first we had it all planned out like we're going to start with les claypool then we're going to move into <laughs> nuno betancourt's going to play more than words and then, then i was like or we just get everybody on stage and we play like 60 800 <laughs> bars of guitar solos to start the whole thing. <laughs> it was so awesome, man. Uh, this is the third time you've been on The Rock 30. And, uh, you know, just a little more reflecting, um, we uh, had the chance to uh, go, you know, way out in the middle of nowhere in Shiner, Texas, where they make the Shiner beer for the Boktoberfest. I think that was 2005 when you were touring with Audio Slave. Um, you know, obviously, that had to be a very special time for you just to be able to record and write with Chris. And now especially that is gone. So, I mean, do you reflect upon those years as some of probably the most memorable men? While Chris Cornell was a uh, bandmate and a friend, I never stopped being a fan. Right. So it was always just, you know, amazing to hear his, you know, tremendous voice and the, the with the with the nuance and the uh, and the and the sort of dark poetic sensibility that he had he really was you know he really was one of a kind and and it was a, a an honor to be able to you know make three records with him and to tour the planet with him what a career you've had i mean i definitely call you the musician's musician you've worked with everyone from wu-tang to johnny cash i mean with all this said, I mean, obviously you're a very talented man, but do you feel lucky? Do you feel fortunate? Do you feel like the planet's just aligned or just uh, all of the above? Yeah, well, I mean, I've I've always had a voracious spirit when it comes to creating, really, since the time I was like 17 years old, like a, almost a manic motor to create. Um, and if there's a studio door open, I'll walk through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and it has led to like, you know, like... I, I'd kind of put up my the diversity of my resume against just about anybody's, you know, like, <laughs> like from you know from you know Sepultura to Pete Seeger, right? Yeah, both those, both <laughs> those are on my resume, you know. Um, yeah, uh, and you know, again, so I feel very, very fortunate. And one of the things that it is, you know, that kind of diversity, of, of, of decades of these kind of diverse collaborations, has really pushed me. Uh, and as an artist and helped me to sort of learn and grow in a lot of different directions. You know, I've made four Americana records. I've made, you know, records that could be categorized as like sort of heavy metal records and, you know, alloy of EDM and Marshall Stack records. And, you know, and every one of those experiences, this, this, this new record, the Atlas Underground Fire, which comes out October 15th, is my 22nd album. Wow. Record, I mean, um, that's crazy. And, it's just a it's you know, it, it's a real blessing to be able to create with so many tremendous talented people, a lot of people whose, you know, uh, um, 
albums are in my record collection i've been able to uh you know to record and perform with so yeah i uh, invited my daughter ava with us today uh because i wanted to talk just a little bit about master class i've watched this i love the tricks that you talk about not only how to play but just how to create these sounds that you've come up with over the years so when you first started doing the talks about doing this i mean was there one key thing that you really wanted to accomplish you know from these lessons yeah yeah well i mean i took two guitar lessons when I was 13 years old and it convinced me to not play the guitar for the next four years. So that was my background going, going into it. And then for a while I was a, you know, uh, as a struggling musician, I was a, I was a guitar teacher, always keeping those two bad lessons in mind. Mm. Um, and so when I did the master class, I wanted to be something for like someone who had never touched six strings before to someone who was extremely advanced, be able to kind of get sort of philosophical, you know, ideas from it. But the key thing was like, like, it's called playing the guitar, not working the guitar, or struggling the guitar, or hating being forced to hold it for a half hour a day. So with my students who were, had never played guitar before, on the very, very first lesson, I think I talked about this in the, in the master class, is they would leave the first lesson having written a song, an original song of That's their right. own. Mm -hmm. So just like touch the third, like pick a dot. Okay, the third dot. Pick a number, five. Play the third dot five times. Okay, pick another dot. Play that three times. Do that that pattern twice in a row. You're now a songwriter. Yeah. You wrote a song. There's nothing mysterious about it. you and Jimmy Page and Paul McCartney are now all have all written songs. <laughs> you know, and, and it demystifies it in a way that you kind of go, oh, it's not like some magical unicorn creatures are the ones that make records. It's just people exactly like me. And wow. that, you know, was helpful when I started playing to have that realization, so I tried to pass that up. That's so great. Um, you know, talking about all the collaborations on um, the new album coming out, Bruce Springsteen, Eddie Vedder, Chris Stapleton, Fanagram, Bring Me the Horizon, the list goes on and on and on. Um, do people come to you and say, hey, I'd like to do something with you, or do you just have the world's greatest uh, contact <laughs> list on your <laughs> iPhone? <laughs> I started to say uh, Rolodex, but I didn't want to date myself. No, exactly. Everybody's like, what's a, what's a Rolodex? Uh, so, well, well, this was a this was a record that came out was born out of a particularly unique circumstance. You know, mm -hmm. when the world when the world shut down, I had my first creative drought in, as an adult. Really, From, you know, time I was seventeen years old till the world shut down, I was really writing, recording, performing at a manic, nonstop pace, and I felt completely uninspired. There's a lot of anxiety. You know, I, my mom who's ninety seven is here. My mother in law who's ninety is here. Two kids who were going absolutely crazy, and it was a very very stressful time. Um, for me, the breakthrough was came from a very unlikely place. I read an interview with uh, Kanye West where he was bragging about recording the vocals for several of his albums on the voice memo of his phone. Okay, I said, well, that's crazy. Like, because those are big hit records, and you can't. There's no like noticeable depreciation in audio quality. So I said, what if I just put my phone up to my? I have. I'm in my studio now. I don't know how to work my. I don't know how to run it. I have an engineer who sits here who runs it. They only let me touch the volume knob. Right. My studio, yeah, absolutely useless during lockdown, like 100% useless. I gotcha. could, like, put plants on it or something. So, so what, what I did instead was I just re began recording into my phone, just whatever riffs or ideas came off the top of my head, then emailing them to producer friends around the world. And that was the genesis of this record. Wow. All of a sudden, I had a like this kind of creative this global creative connection bring me the horizon we're in you know brazil and the uk sama who's a, a great young uh dj uh she was in palestine the uh, refused uh, you know in in S sweden chris stapleton who was in nashville bruce who was in new jersey all of a sudden 
I was able to like, it was a real mental health lifeline to yeah. know that for a couple hours every day, I didn't need anything other than my phone to be charged and my creativity in order to make songs. And that was really the genesis of this record. That's awesome, man. Well, it's been uh, two years since Coachella happened, April 2022. They've announced they're going to try it one more time with, uh, you know, Rage there. So um, I know you've got a lot of history with Coachella and uh, just kind of curious about your feelings, you know, playing that festival again and, and what's going on with you and the rest of the guys in Rage. I'm hopeful there are concerts and when there are concerts, I will be playing them. That's all <laughs> I got to say, man. Like it's a, we've always prioritized in every musical outfit i've been in the you know the health and safety of the crew the band and the, and the fans and so i'm just i'm hopeful we're there are able to be concerts you know moving forward there's a concert i'm going to sunday night uh with the black crows it was supposed to be the 30th anniversary of shake your money maker obviously now it's the 31st because of covid <laughs> that but, doesn't look as good on the team no it doesn't it doesn't but you know i was just thinking about this november 3rd 2022 is the 30th anniversary of the the rage debut i mean does is it enticing at all for you to go out with the rest of the guys to do an album in its entirety or what might you do for this milestone if anything there's been no discussion about that you know like i said i'm, I'm just hopeful shows happen and i would love to you know getting back on a stage would just be tremendous do you like seeing your favorite bands do albums in its entirety from a musician standpoint i mean it's certainly it's certainly a it's certainly a hook it's for me it's not necessary if it's one of my favorite bands i'm gonna enjoy whatever they decide to play but sure it's a it's i mean that to me feels a little sort of there's a pinch of nostalgia in that and i like you know, I kind of looking forward. Well, let's talk about uh, the present and the future. Uh, obviously, you've always been very open in your interviews. Uh, now you have a forum on satellite radio. Uh, you're doing One Man Revolution. You're doing the the podcast. You curate other playlists. So uh, tell me about, uh, I, I listen every week. I'm a big fan of that as well. I love your diverse playlists. So tell me how fulfilling this part of you is. Yeah, well, I got I to gotta say, I mean, again, it was survival. It was during during this time where, you know, there were there's 24 hours in a day and we, we it was pretty stressful around here for a while. And so like having the opportunity to have like multiple shows on Sirius where I basically play what I want and I say what I want. That was my that was my agreement at the beginning. Like, I, like if you want, like, I'm happy to do this, but it's got to be I'm going to play exactly what I want. Like and some, one, of, one of my favorite things is like I don't I don't snoop around too much on social media, but you know, I got a show on lithium or I have a show on 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 the Aussie's boneyard, this, that, and the other. And people are so outraged if you play like a song that is is not like in the <laughs> tightly in the lane. I'm like, if you want to hear more spin doctors, that's the next hour. That's not my hour. You got <laughs> but right now I'm gonna play whatever I want to play. So I have really enjoyed that because a lot of times one of my favorite uh parts of being on tour is a lot of times after the show or on nights out, I'll go to a you know like a hard rock bar in whatever town and kick the DJ off and just and just spin and play whatever I want to yeah. play. And so this is a way to do it on a, you know, on a, on a national level. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the first single off the new album, Highway to Hell. I mean, you got Bruce, you got Eddie, you got one of the greatest rock songs ever recorded. So uh, just maybe set this one up, man. It's got everything that a fan would want. Sure. Uh, well, I was on tour with the E Street Band in 2014, and we were playing in Perth, Australia. Perth is the home of Bon Scott, the singer of the legendary singer of acdc and so i wanted to stop by his grave to pay my respect so i'm in the middle of this perth perthian graveyard in the middle of about 11 30 night with a friend of mine and it bon scott's grave is not well marked there's no we're, we're just wandering around <laughs> blindly in the dark trying to find bon scott's grave when in the distance there's a small light which comes which is getting closer 
And I hear this sort of purring of a, of a moped or something. And it's this guy, it's this heavy set guy with a, with a German World War II helmet. This is the middle of the night. Wow. And a t-shirt on that reads, I'm not sure what your FCC is, has to say about what I'm about to say, but perhaps you could bleep me out. It says, I don't give a shit, but if I did, you're the one I'd give it to. <laughs> and I'm like, that guy's going to know where Bon Scott's grave is. <laughs> Absolutely. And sure enough, he does. He did. So we pay our respects. I go back to the hotel bar. I see Bruce. I'm like, Bruce, do you think that there's any way that the circle of the E Street Band might intersect the circle of ACDC? He said, Tom, I think there might be. So he goes up to his room to sort of listen to ACDC catalog. Over the next couple of days, we start working on Highway to Hell. We're playing a show in a Melbourne soccer stadium, wow. right? And mm -hmm. Eddie Vedder happens to be in town on his solo tour, and he's at the show. And I'm like, and my light bulb went off. I said, you know, I, I was always very, very comfortable knocking on Bruce's door before the show and going, like, how about we play whatever? But anyway, so he was used to the, that knock. So I knock on the door and I go, how about we open the show in Australia with the ACDC classic Highway to Hell with Eddie Vedder singing it, too? He's like, that sounds like a pretty good idea. <laughs> so we did. And for me, it was really one of the apex moments in my life on stage. People lost their effing minds that the E Street Band with, you know, Eddie Vedder was playing that song. So as I was making this record, The Atlas Underground Fire, I had a lot of great collaborations with newer artists like Bring Me the Horizon, Fantagram, Grandson, Proto-Hype, Femme. Um, and, but I wanted like a historic moment. And I reflected back on that show and wow. that moment and put together a track, sent it to Bruce and was like, what do you think, man? And he did two takes of vote. He just, he loved it. He rocked two takes of vocals, sent that to Eddie and he was down. So that's how the song came about. Wow, that is a great story. I think it kind of goes back to a little bit earlier, right? Where the planets do align sometimes for you, man. A little bit of luck goes with it. And and you know, Pearl Jam took Rage Against the Machine on tour in 1992. You know, so we've we've a really really long history. And and so for these three friends, and we've the Bruce and Eddie and I have played together on stage a few times, but like to finally like have that combination in the studio together was pretty magical. You know, we could do an entire show on the causes and charity work that you're passionate about, but uh, we're limited time today. But I did want you to, at least while you've got the forum here for our little show, to uh, maybe talk about some things you're working with currently that you're passionate about, because as we know, elections come and, and time keeps evolving, you know? Yes, time keeps evolving. I mean, if there's one thing that a uh, 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 through thread of all of sort of my work has been that history is not something that happens. History is something that you make. Right. And whenever there has been change that has been progressive, radical, or even revolutionary for the better, it has come from people who are no different than anyone listening to this right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like in your place and your time, you don't like the people that have changed the world didn't have any more money, courage, education, power than you do. They've just stood up in their place and their time to try to create a more just and humane planet. Yeah. And that's a, if there's one overall message, that would be the one, is that you are an agent of history. You, or you can choose to be a bystander and let somebody else you know, have their hands on the wheel. But then you don't have any excuse to complain. Right. Uh, to close out the show today, Tom, I always like to give my guests the opportunity to do uh, artist pick from your library. And you have an extensive library. So I was wondering if you could pick maybe one song and tell me why you chose Alan. OK, well, I mean, I, if I'm going to pick one song, it's going to be the one that I've been listening to the most now at home, which is the is Highway to Hell. It's right. the, you know, it's this it's this track that came, you know, it's a it's a it, it's pays tribute 
to this classic all-time great ACDC song with two of the greatest rock and roll singers of all time, Bruce yeah. Springsteen and Eddie Vedder. I throw a solo in there and and the riffs are hot. And it's just, it was really a pleasure to uh, deep dive into one of my favorite bands of all time, ACDC, with two of my favorite singers of all time, Bruce Springsteen and Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. And so that's the song that I would pick for this. I love the way you just throw in that I uh, put in a riff in there. Let me tell you something. This is one of the most badass riffs. I mean, I play this song over and over just to hear your solo. <laughs> I love the way you did this song. You know? Right on. Well, thanks, man. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks for taking the time to be here, man. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on the road again. It's always great to see you in a live setting, man. I love uh, sitting here one on one, but uh, I'd love to see you better even behind that guitar. Yeah, I, I look forward to that as well. And good luck with your guitar playing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Tom. Take care, guys. Bye. Cheers.